and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast and as you can probably tell this isn't uh, for those of you who listen regularly you'll know that I normally don't do this bit but myself Stan Chum is taking a very very well earned uh, week off but I'm not alone this week and I'm really delighted to introduce a friend of ours who writes for the Archant newspaper group making his podcast debut although you will know him uh, very very well by now welcome George George Sessions thank you very much indeed uh, for coming on uh, and co-hosting with us uh, today, George. George, um, just for people that perhaps aren't familiar, we've got a lot of fans that that, that live abroad uh, that may not be familiar. Do you want to just give us a, a sort of brief intro and and sort of ha- um, how long you've been covering Orient for? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. First, of all. So, yeah, it's an honour. Um, so I've been doing Orient. I think it's probably coming up to three and a half years now for um, East London Advertiser, Newham Recorder, Ilford Recorder, and the Hackney Gazette, and. Um, I'm sure most fans know that we've obviously seen a lot over those three and a half years, but um, you know it's been really, really good fun for me. And Orient was the second professional club that I started covering um, after about nine to eight months with Dagenham, um, and I've absolutely loved it. To be honest, I've always had a little soft spot for Orient because my um, great granddad, yeah, he's dead now, but he used to be an Orient fan, so um, okay. always looked out for. I remembered that 0506 promotion, so um, awesome. yeah, been been great to be writing about the club for three and a half years now. Fantastic. So, some of the standout moments since you've been covering <laughs> us. There's obviously a few going back, sort of three or four years, but yeah, since you've um, been, it's been a few lo- more lows than highs. I was say, yeah, the, the first two, the, well, yeah, probably the first two and a half years was, was all pretty lows. Um, in that time, though, I'd, I'd say the Newport game, um, and it's ironic because obviously the hat trick hero um, in South Wales that day was Josh Cromer. Um, when I think Orient's team was just ridiculously young and Danny Webb was the manager and they just lost to Stevenage a couple of days before and I think everyone had kind of been you know, sort of resigned to rele- relegation at that point and you know to see these youngsters you know Alzate, Jard, um, I think Charlie Granger was in goal as well and to see people like that and Karoma all just you know playing the ball around on an absolute rugby pitch to be perfectly honest it was like a mud bath mm. so that was um, he finished 4-0 when Chroma got a hat-trick and I think he's the youngest ever Orient player to score a hat-trick so that was definitely a highlight early on and I guess probably over the last year there's been a lot really with, with Justin um, and I'd probably say the Sutton game that, that second game in charge for him just because of how bad things were yeah. and to sort of get a glimpse of what could have could be under him was pretty special so yeah probably Sutton um, last December and that Newport game which would have been March 2017 I think so um, yeah definitely those two I reckon but fast forward to present day and an absolute turnaround the last year Remarkable. has just been incredible and I think um, I think Justin's obviously done so much but the you can definitely put the sort of credit and share it around I think because there's a lot of people still at the club you know Ross is there um, Danny Webb's still there both of them to have been instrumental as well and, and obviously the players but I think you have to look past that as well and you know I'd go the owners you know Kent and Nigel they've obviously done so much and really backed and Martin Ling deserves credit and I think the fans as well because you know I know it's easy to look at the look at the league table now and see you're in top and see the attendances but I mean even last season the crowds were absolutely enormous weren't they mm, I, think, yeah. I don't think if Orient were getting a crowd of 1,000, 2,000 that Justin would have even come in the first place so I think the fans deserve a lot of credit for sort of sticking by Orient through what we can all probably accept has been the worst time in the club's history. Do you know, I think that's a really good point actually because you think that with the club I think that's probably happened because the club nearly going 
mm. you know, to extinction effectively. And and you know, I think people have been galvanised by that because you don't know what you've got till it's gone, and oh, people yeah, nearly lost, nearly lost the club. And actually, it's you know, even in the thirteen fourteen season when we were what a couple of kicks away from the from the championship, we weren't getting crowds of five, no. six, seven thousand, particularly regularly. Crazy, and we're like two leagues below that now and we get and we've sold out games and yeah. we didn't have that and I don't remember having that particularly other than like the Peterborough and like Arsenal and a certain, couple of other certain games nights, certain nights that, that you know we were getting crowds like that I think that's just testament really to as you say you don't know what you've got until it's gone and and especially given the people that have come in you know Nigel and Ken have just you know Nigel knew the club and he got the club straight away but I think Ken did as well and mm. not everyone knew how that would work but it's you know, it's just been brilliant and yeah. long way continue. 100% agree with you. So, um, any, I mean, you mentioned him before and I'm probably going to guess that that's probably who you're going to mention now, but in particular, who's caught your eye this season? Yeah, Josh Cromer has been unbelievable. Um, and I don't know what it is about youngsters sort of coming through the academy, but there is just something unexplainable about seeing them come through and make their mark. Um, and I've just, I've loved seeing him playing with his head up. I think Dave Victor mentioned it yesterday in one of his interviews um, with Ross Hamilton after the game. He said that Josh is now playing with his head up and he certainly is. And I think it's easy to forget as well, he's only 20. But um, the performances he's put in over the last two months have been outstanding. But to be honest, there's a lot of people you can mention. Um, you know, Marvin Equitet has been a, a brilliant, brilliant player and an absolute coup for the club to find. But yeah, real still, right? Yeah, he's... Um, From East Farrakh. Uh, and Steve Foster you sort of look at it as well before he's Farrakh he was at Concord and wasn't doing that well there and you know a lot of people probably would have lost their chance at that moment but yeah he's been brilliant and I think it's probably worth mentioning Craig Clare as well because I think a lot of people last season didn't really rate him that much and you know everyone's entitled to their opinions I, I thought he was a good player um, mm-hmm. I didn't think he could be as good as he is now mm-hmm. but he's been unbelievable and and I've just mentioned three players there and, and they're part of Orient Spine, but I think there's so many people you could mention about this team. Yeah, I mean, we could sort of wax lyrical about all, all the players. I think when you start with Dean in goal and, and, and obviously Juddy at right back and, and mm. then Joe that goes about his business quite quietly yeah. at left back and, and, and does it well. So, OK, um, you're going to stay with us for the whole of this episode, so uh, we'll, we'll chat more later on. But I think let's kick off, as per usual, with the uh, Supporters Club uh, update. So one trip to tell you all about uh, this week and you can book your places uh, on the coaches that are going to Dover on Saturday the 29th of December. Fares for this one are just 23 quid for adults and 20 for concessions with children aged 15 uh, or over, sorry, or under at half price. There's the usual £3 surcharge if you're not a member and children must travel with an adult. You can book for this one on the Supporters Club on a match day uh, and go into the Supporters Club or um, you can call the travel on, which if you don't know by now is 07722 Oh, so that's just the one trip to Dover to tell you about. Uh, and we had a pretty thorough update from uh, the Leighton Orient Trust this week. It's pretty long, isn't it? Yeah. I'll start off. It's, um, on Monday, you had Anwar Udin. He was the uh, lead on the Fans for Diversity project at the Kick It Out um, organisation. He pops in to discuss a joint venture for the game on January 1st when Dagenham and Redbridge will be visiting Leighton Orient. And um, as an initial funders of the now very popular diversity hub, Anwar still has strong connections with the work that Leighton Orient do. So 
he'll be, um, you know, I think the Orient will now be hosting up to 25 homeless people um, plus staff and volunteers from a local shelter and they'll be serving a New Year lunch and mm, of course um, watching the game as well which should be a bit of a crack up. Yeah, yeah that's awesome that. At the game on Tuesday evening versus Aldershot the over 50s late Orient walking fo- football team represented with their trophy of medals pitch side by Kent Teague before welcoming the te- teams onto the pitch as a guard of honour. And then at half-time, the Leighton Orient Trust and the Waltham Forest College students had their annual photo taken on the pitch with a nominated few enjoying an in-house penalty shootout competition, which I unfortunately missed. So I uh, don't know how they got on in that. No, don't know either. Also that evening, the players warmed up in the white ribbon campaign t-shirts while staff and Councillor Khan had photos with the squad promoting the Waltham Forest Council initiative. And then on Friday morning, you had 17 local schools descended on the Douglas Ear Centre in Walthamstow to take part in the National League Trust's under-11s football tournament. And after almost three hours of top-quality action, it was Churchfield's junior school from Redbridge who were the victors, um, defeating St John Fisher Primary in the final. And they will now represent Leighton Orient at the area finals next February. And if successful, they will then go on to the regional final with the aim of appearing at Wembley prior to the National League player final in May, representing not just Orient, but the south of England. So, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and they now join Aldersbrook Primary, who are the girls' representatives. So good luck to both schools when the time comes. And they, uh, a huge thank you as well to Kent Teague, they said, who, um, who took time to present the trophy and the medals. Fantastic. I mean, you cover uh, a few clubs. You've got colleagues who cover, obviously, broadly London clubs here. Do they tell you about this level of activity from within the club? Um, every now and then, yeah, we get a little bit. Um, the name, I think Louise, um, I think she's involved with the Late Night Trust and, and she sort of sends over a few um, press releases every now and then, yeah. which is really helpful. But yeah, it's just unbelievable, isn't it, to have sort of two of our local clubs, uh, two of our local schools, sorry, and to have them through to the final Wembley is amazing. Going to be amazing, but so, hope, hopefully they're obviously the only Orient representative there on the day. Uh, yeah, that yeah that would be nice. But do like Dagenham's or West Ham's or Spurs or any of the other clubs that your colleagues cover? Do they get this sort of no, activity I, at their clubs? I don't do think so. No, definitely. Um, crim- I, you know, I'm sure someone will point out if I'm wrong, but I'm certain Dagenham don't, and I don't don't I don't really know much when it comes to Tottenham West Ham, but. I feel like if they did, we would certainly hear about yeah, it. So, yeah, it's brilliant. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, uh, our chairman's book, The Challenge Culture, is available in all good bookstores. As Nigel talks about his career at large and successful organisations and talks about how the best way for organisations to succeed in today's environment is to embrace challenge and also encourage pushback. He covers the worlds of video, quick service restaurants and the purchase of Leighton Orient Pepper with many humorous events that have occurred throughout his career. You can buy the book today at amazon.co.uk or at your favourite local bookshop. One more time, that's The Challenge Culture by Nigel Travis and make sure that you get a copy and I have started reading it. I haven't got any further than since I last podcasted. I just get caught up with like iPlayer or Amazon uh, Prime or the Football League paper. I'm I'm reading Mauricio Pochettino's book and I think I've I've probably done three three quarter, I'd say, but it's just that last bit always seems the hardest. Yeah, I'm paused at page hundred or something. Yeah, and you can't do it. um, With any other business, if you um, very very timely, if you need a Christmas tree, door reefs, or a table centre, then look no further than Carol Langley Florists, who are offering ten percent off to all O's fans over the festive period. K 
Carol Langley Forest can be found at 33 Station Road, Chingford, which is E47BJ, or they can be contacted by phone on 0208 529 or finally you can find them on www.carollangley.co.uk. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on then to the week that was. On Coulson Monday, 26th of November, the draw for the first round of the FA Trophy was made live at 2.30 on TalkSport 2 as the O's were drawn to play Beaconsfield Town at home on the weekend of Saturday the 15th of December. And the Beaconsfield Town manager, Gary Meekin, said, We're very pleased with the draw. It's the one we wanted as our vice chairman is also a season ticket holder at Leighton Orient. <laughs> Win-win for him. Exactly, yeah. It's a great draw that will hopefully get people talking about our club as we often go under the radar. We also won't just be going there to make up the numbers. So that's strong. Fair play. Strong, yeah. Um, Steve, who's not with us, actually made a note here saying, Love the FA Trophy and think we can seriously win it. Bring it on. Mm. So Matty LOFC Evans said, On paper, this may look easy, but it's their cup final moment. They will be up for it. They won their league last year and they have some ex-league players in their ranks. Fancy us to win, but it won't be a walk in the park like some are suggesting. Yeah, we also had a tweet from LOFC Chaz about this. He said, Gutted we didn't get an away game, but as good a draw as we could have hoped for, I suppose. It should be an easy game, but nothing is certain. And I think from our perspective, we're probably the highest ranked team in that Draw, I would imagine, being yeah, top of the yeah, national. It's only teams one to four in the uh, step, isn't it? Yes, it's if only it's only non-league teams. So yeah, yeah those are, are definitely the um, the highest team, and you know what them and, and Wrexham have the biggest stadium. So it's going to be a massive great day out for them. And plus, their their vice chairman's a a season ticket holder or an That I mean, is, I know this is cup, but in cup competitions, you always get stories like that. That's what it's all about. It's awesome, it? absolutely wicked. And then in the evening on Monday, the Leighton Star held an evening with birthday boy, vice chairman and O's principal investor plus legend Kent (laughs) Teague. If you were lucky enough to get along, we hope you had a great time. Yeah, Kent said it was really good. He said there was about 30 or 40 Orient fans that had turned up for it and it was a really good evening. So uh, great stuff. And again, just a sort of level of engagement you get right from the top of the club that they're going out to a local venue just to have a chat. There's nothing pretentious. There's nothing... No hidden agenda. Mm. There's it's it's really open and 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 again we've gone from famine to feast and I probably said this a couple of times but you didn't we didn't have this level of engagement even sort of when Barry and, say that, yeah. Barry owned this it is with Matt for, sort of groundbreaking really but yeah but that's no slight on them that they didn't do no. it it's just an observation because people don't do that do that no and that's probably why the attendances are so good because you know people can connect with Kent because they actually meet him he's not just a, a man that's sort of a figure that they never see yeah some American bloke that's just put a load of money mm. in and actually you never see or hear from him so moving on then to, to Hue Tuesday this is now the 27th of November and the main event of that day was Aldershot FC at home team lined up with Dean Brewer in goal Wooderson Ekpeteta Coulson and Judd with McEnough, Gorman, Clay and Dayton with Bon and Karoma uh, starting uh, starting 11 for you then. Uh, with Arthur Janata in goal, um, Dan Happy, James Brophy, Matt Harold, James Alabi uh, were the substitutes there. So it was exactly the same starting 11 and substitutes bench named as the Wrexham match from Saturday. So Steve said, no surprises really. We'll be interested to see if we make subs early to try and keep players fresh with three games in a week. Yeah, it's a fair point to be to be honest, isn't it? Um, three games in a week, three hard games mm-hmm. as well. Um, so pre-match, ex-Orient manager uh, and general legend uh, Frank Clark was in the club shop signing copies of his autobiography and a nice touch from the club just before kick-off. There was a minute's applause for the late, great Kevin 
Austin. So sincere condolences to Kevin's uh, family uh, as well. Um, and also, uh, just a quick plug, Frank Clark was literally one of the first people we interviewed when we did the podcast back in 2014. I actually called up the LMA, of which he was at the time chairman yeah, or I've seen this, yeah. something big in, in, in there. Um, and I just called them. I said, look, I, we've just started a podcast. We're late in Orient, po- fan podcast. Um, really want to get a chat with Frank. He's a legend at Orient. Would love to do an mm. interview with him. She said, give me your name and number, I'll pass it on to him. Never thought I'd hear back. Of course not. Literally. He won a European Cup. Right. Mad. Like, and is, this is the LMA I'm calling. Mm. I would have expected her to go, yeah, 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 fine, bye. And put the phone down and forget to give him the... Literally 10 minutes later, get a phone call from a number I didn't recognise. Hello, Paul, it's Frank Clark here. I'll never forget that. I was like, uh, 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 oh, hi, hi, Frank. I was like, blimey, you called me, like, literally, and we got it set up and we did it, so it's on SoundCloud if anybody wants to listen to it, and we cover his time at Orient and all the all the great stuff that he did, and all the tough stuff as well, which is probably covered in his book, yeah. so just a quick plug uh, for anybody there. So the match kicked off with O's looking to extend their lead at the top of the table against an all-shot side who had his record against the top six was played six and lost six. Oh, first 15 minutes though, there was no real action to talk about. The O's had started well, pressing high, moving the ball. Ball boys, Dean Brill, and also I noticed Ross Embleton were really trying to get the ball back in play really, really quickly, but we didn't really create anything. Yeah, I think that's Justin, to be honest. Um, from our vantage point in the press area, you see him so many times. I think you can, he can just tell when the urgency levels are not there. And I think that's why you have him and Ross sort of chucking the ball in as a little sign to the players. Come on, let's get going now. Let's sort of get moving. But um, in the 16th minute, we finally had something to talk about as Josh Groman was brought down by Dominic Bernard on the edge of the area. Up stepped Joey McEnough after scoring that free kick against Bromley. And this time he went ever so close as he beat the ball and the keeper but hit the crossbar and come back out. Yeah, great free kick, unlucky. Yeah, unlucky that was a there. superb effort, wasn't it? Yeah, he's really nailed that. And and like Ross said to us, that he practices two or three times a week. Yeah. Um, uh, which is vital and it shows. And Ross mentioned about the sort of pressure because all the Orient fans are singing his name, aren't they? And, you know, that just, just adds to it, but doesn't seem to affect him. Exactly. Right. And there are others waiting behind him to try and get that. that you know, that spot of being free kick taker. Um, more pressing for Morin over the next 10 to 15 minutes and really controlling the game, but with 28 minutes gone, all the shots, Matt McClure had a long range effort which flew over the bar. Dean Brill rooted to the spot, and Steve made a comment, uh, made a note here saying it's a superb effort and really, really close. Yeah, that certainly was. And all the shots slowly started to come back into the game, but a super counter attacking move in the 47. 42nd minute saw Joey McEnough pass to Mott Bond who read Josh Cromer's run and flicked into Josh's path but as he raced towards goal and he was just about to shoot Kinsella slid in and the ball went out of play that was a brilliant tackle to be fair that was a fantastic recovering mm. challenge the sort that we've seen Marvin Ekpeteta do once or twice and for me that was a bit of a game changing moment I think probably for both sides us for, for not yeah. scoring and then for defending like yeah. they are going at all out to stop us here and they're you know they're putting their bodies on the line I think Karoma needed longer than he actually had like a, a split second longer he'd have pulled the trigger mm. and that would have been a goal but um, I guess if you were to be super critical about it he should have shot that second earlier but he, he didn't and that's fine it was take nothing away from it it was a great counter 
and a great recovery. Yeah, certainly was. So then you had four minutes of stoppage time added on, and in the 48th minute, Josh Cromer got away on the right and shot from a tight angle, but Mannion saved comfortably, and the half-time whistle went with the score goalless. Yeah, absolutely, and you summed it up perfectly in the first half, I think, actually, with the O's working hard, but the shots have defended well. Signs Cromer is getting into the game more, though. You'd have to back LOFC to kick on. Uh, after the break. So there was 4,289 on a Tuesday night, quite a cold Tuesday night, with 274 away fans. That's Again, that's a crack in attendance. It's not bad Tuesday on a Tuesday night. night. Mid-November, or end of November to be honest, and it was raining. And you know what, the traffic was horrendous. Took me an hour. the high road. Yeah. Took me an hour to get there from Barking, so really? fair play Did to those really? fans. Yeah. Wow. So the second half started with Craig Clay being replaced by James Brophy which saw Joey McEnough move into the middle and Brophy go onto the left wing. Yeah, Aldershot got the second half underway. James Brophy wasted no time in imposing himself. With just four minutes at the half gone, he dribbled past about three players uh, and eventually was uh, stopped in his track, so he won a foul there. And then from that resulting free kick, Joey McEnough swung the ball in and Joe Widdison headed over from close range when he really should have done better. And we actually spoke to Joe after the game, and I forgot to mention this to him, but I think that was his golden chance to get his, his first goal for in, and I think he would have been disappointed with that as well. Yeah, I think he probably would have done. And, and Steve made a note here saying he seemed to jump a bit too early, mm. but I think it's it's he'd probably uh, sort of hold his hands up and say, yeah, probably should have done a bit better there. 53 minutes on the clock now, and Aldershot got a free kick in a dangerous position, but Dean Brill tipped the ball over. And then three minutes later, Orient went ever so close as James Brophy skinned Osho brilliantly. And his cross came to James Dayton, who teed up Dale Gorman, but his low and hard effort was well saved by Mannion. Yeah, it did well there. Good build-up play as well, Steve said. Uh, 65 minutes gone. It's the second sub of the game for the O's. Uh, the first one was made at half-time. Uh, as James Alabi comes on for James Dayton and Josh Caroma moved on to the right wing. Yeah, I think inadvertently... I think that actually killed O's momentum a little bit because I think Josh um, was looking good in that position and when you moved him out wide, he's, he didn't really get involved as much as, as I felt he was in the first half um, and although obviously James Alawi was excellent off the bench um, at Wrexham a couple, of yeah. day, a couple of days earlier, he just didn't seem to have that impact and um, in, a, in a strange way I probably would have gone for Matt Harold actually on that occasion because... How was very hit and miss, but when he's on it, he really gives defences a, a, a hard you know, time. A hard time. Yeah. So after that, Miles Judd did brilliantly on the right, as his cross came to James Brophy in the 65th minute, but his shot was deflected behind for a corner. Yeah, six minutes fast forwarded then uh, to the 71st, as Josh Caroma cut inside and beats his man, but just as he's about to shoot, referee Pollard pulls uh, the play back for an earlier foul, and uh, you know the referees had a pretty good game here, but. Really should have played our advantage there, unless we obviously go on to score uh, from the free kick. And, and you can really tell at this point that we're really piling the pressure on. Uh, we've had plenty of the possession at this point, um, just really can't seem to do the last bit, which is putting it in the back of the net. Yeah, and that has sometimes been the case very rarely this season at home. But um, yeah. there was another corner in the 72nd minute after Dale Gorman's shot was deflected wide. And then five minutes later, Orient won another free kick, which seemed in a perfect position and place for Joe McEnough but surprisingly McCauley Bond took it and his effort unfortunately hit the wall and rebounded back to him but he volleyed well wide. Yeah frustrating night for, for Maka really he's, he's trying to make something happen you can see that just by you know even Joby letting him take the free kick 
and his volley has just sort of, yeah, got over the top of it, but it's just, it's just flown wider, unfortunately, there. And then in the 79th minute, James Alabi knocked a long ball down, and Macaulay Bond tried an outrageous volley from long range, but it went well wide. But to be fair to me, that was probably a better effort than the, uh, the volley he tried after the free kick. Yeah. And if that had gone in, that would have been a hell of a goal. Spectacular, wouldn't it? Would yeah, been. yeah. Uh, 80th minute then James Alabi and Macaulay Bond combine, combine well as Alabi uses his power and pace to drive into the area he shoots low and hard but his strike is saved by Mannion I thought he did really well to work that angle it's just a shame it was on his slightly weaker left foot yeah. um, he shot that low and Mannion was already on the floor he'd he done a lot right to be fair didn't yeah. he but um, it was a very good save by the goalkeeper I think left Credit him, him for credit, that. Certainly, yeah. yeah. And then in the 83rd minute, it was almost a disaster as all the their best chance of the game as substitute Jacob Berkeley Agupon got past Miles Judd and picked out Adam McDonald, but a combination of Brill and Widdison blocked on the line. And after speaking to Joe afterwards, it was actually him that blocked that, not um, not Dean Brill. And it was a vital clearance, really was. Yeah, absolutely. And they should probably should have scored from there really mm. uh, to be fair it was a decent chance four minutes of time were added on as there was no way through for the O's and Aldershot saw out a nil-nil draw to earn themselves a point which their players celebrated with their fans at full time whistle which I thought was a bit odd I mean mm. that, but I guess that's just the level that we're at versus them like people coming to us working hard getting a nil-nil draw they made it hard for us but they actually tried to play football as well yeah, and I think um, last season they had an excellent season Aldershot I'm fairly certain they got in the playoffs and I know this year They've really struggled with injuries and I think one of the reasons why they probably celebrate that so much is because I think their manager was swimming high and how they just needed something in the season to really kickstart their season. And I think right. they all sort of felt like that nil-nil draw away to the leaders was the sort of turning point for a bit yeah. of a, a sticky, um, sticky start. But if I'm, yeah, they lost yesterday 2-0 to Ebsley, so uh, it wasn't the, um, At home the, as the well. kickstart they wanted, unfortunately. No, absolutely not. And I think also, I think that's a fair comment, they were injury ravaged and then someone got substituted off through injury oh, as well yeah, didn't they right. so actually I think it was two in the first half was it so two? one was illness and one was injury um, so yeah they are a bit of a torrid time with their injuries but they are a good side and like you said they're not just one of the teams that have come to Brisbane Road and and just stuck 11 men behind the ball. They did try and play football a little bit as At well. At times they did, yeah, absolutely. So Justin Edinburgh um, spoke uh, to the press post-match. It was a tough night in terms of the level of performance we wanted, but I look at myself and perhaps it was a game too far for one or two. Maybe we did need to freshen it up, but after Saturday's result, I felt the momentum would carry us through. So I take responsibility because we didn't reach the level of performances we have of late and we couldn't quite break them down. Justin continued, for us to continue this and to challenge, we probably need one or, one or two new faces, that's for sure. We probably need one more in a wide area with Josh Cromer doing so well up front now because I don't like to move him back out wide. It's a little unfair on Josh. So we might need another one in a wide area and you can never have too many strikers. <laughs> he went on to say, Macaulay Bond will not be going anywhere. Um, he will be here until at least the end of the season. I can guarantee that. So hoping that the rumours that started to circulate about Forest, Leeds, mm. Derby and um, Norwich, Norwich yeah. um, sort of coming in for him and putting in bids for him, hopefully uh, that at least um, allays any fears that they had there. Yeah, I thought his post-match was spot on actually, Justin. You know, first of all, we didn't need to take responsibility. He easily could have sort of had a little go at Aldershot and said they they just come for a point, but I thought it was you know fair play to him for saying he should have probably changed it up, and I think in hindsight it's, it's fair enough. And, and then even with McCauley, you know, no sort of you know no leaving it 
the glass sort of half empty. It was 100%. He's not going anywhere this season. And I think given all Justin's done over the last 12 months, I think you have to trust him when he says exactly, that. And yeah. I think Orient rejected offers in the summer, didn't they, from they McCauley? Did. So, a couple of 100k plus yeah, offers. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they'll, they'll definitely reject pretty much whatever comes in January. So McCauley should be in to the end of the season. But from then on, we'll have to wait and see, I'd say. Absolutely. So that point meant that Orient stayed at the top of the National League by a point ahead of Salford who beat Harrogate Town that evening uh, 3-2 uh, so we've now played at this point against Aldershot we've played 22 we've won 13 of those drawn 8 lost 1 we've got 47 points and a huge goal difference of plus 29 um, so from my point of view I thought we started well first 20 minutes quite high tempo uh, when the ball went out as we said earlier particularly in the west stand I saw Ross rushing to get the ball back in play and I think the ball boys uh, were the same as well Aldershot set up to stop us playing but they also took their game to us and we withstood a little bit of pressure that they exerted. Cannot stand the time-wasting tactics that Tim Pot clubs like Bromley use, and I didn't think Aldershot would do that. They did, and I feel that's a bit of a shame because they're an ex-league club, so I thought they had a bit more about them. I thought we looked a bit tired, and one or two players miskicked clearances and were caught a bit flat-footed. Um, I th- but Dean Brill had very little to do all game, which is a bit of a mark on a on a game, in my opinion. I don't think a lot of people look at it that way. But uh, also thought the game changed with the half-time substitution of Craig Clay. We're still in the top uh, at the top of the league, though. Clean sheet, four points from six. So that's Wrexham and that one. It's not a bad return, in my view. Uh, and having been spoilt with some excellent performances like the one at Wrexham, I think expectations are super high, and we're expecting to win every single game now. That's yeah, the problem, isn't it? I think. Um... I think after the Wrexham game, everyone expected Orient to win that. And I think it doesn't really matter who comes to Brisbane Road, you're always going to expect Orient to win. But to be honest, I think the home games are the hardest. And I don't think that's just for Orient. I think that's for a lot of clubs in the National League because pretty much every National League club goes away from home and just keeps it nil-nil. And to be honest, that's how Macclesfield won the league last year. They went everywhere, kept it tight. The opposition would eventually make a mistake or Maxfield would have a player that would produce quality and they'd win the game 1-0. So um, it was a frustrating result, but if you actually look at it with the win at Wrexham, Orient have kept that four-point average over two games. And also, I think if you could pick, you would definitely win at Wrexham and draw with Aldershot because you've taken, you know, you've stopped Wrexham from picking up a point and looking at where Wrexham are now, you know, they've not, they didn't play in the National League on Saturday and their manager looks like he could be leaving as well. So I think, all in all, I think that was a real, you know, those three, four days, really good days work for all in, I'd say. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think you're right, that averaging two points a game over 46 games is 92 points. Yeah. So, you know, we're on at 47 at this particular point in time. You'd expect 44, so we're just that little bit better. Exactly. So, and uh, But that's the difference. Um, Steve's views on this he said he thought it was a decent point to be fair looking back on last season we lost so many Tuesday night games at home such as Gateshead, Torquay Maidenhead and Halifax and had the potential this had the potential to be one of those thought we were excellent in the first 25 but Aldershot came into the game more as the match went on and he thought our delivery from key positions was poor and we didn't create too much up front however we've been superb this season you can't really ask for much more from this group of players to be fair to Aldershot they came had a go and although they did time waste but that's up to us to deal with and if we score uh, and if we score those tactics go out the window so yeah they'd soon be quick to get the ball back and play themselves wouldn't they I yeah think actually a fair point. Steve he made a good point there um, about last season and I'd even go a little bit further and say if you look at the Sutton game where Orient lost 1-0 yeah. I think Justin said afterwards that's the type of game Orient have to draw 0-0 they're not at their best which is granted you can't be at your best every single game but if you're not at your best you don't lose and we've seen now against Hartlepool 
when actually they were very good and probably should have got three points, but they had ten men, and now against um, against Aldershot, that you know again they weren't at their best, but they didn't lose, and I think that's so crucial because it just keeps that momentum ticking over, exactly. and, and that's what Orient have got at the moment, and as long as they keep momentum, it's, they're going to be very hard to stop. Draw the games that you're not playing so well in, win the games that you do play well in, exactly. and that's promotion pretty yeah. much summed up, isn't it? Any views that you wanted to add on on the Aldershot game? Uh, no, I think just you know as I sort of mentioned they. You know, you can't win them all, pretty much. And I think it is important that when you don't win your games, you you get a draw and you come away and it's all right. You've you could look at it as two points drop, but you've you've kept pace. You know, you've stayed ahead of Salford, who had a very tough game. And I think Orient probably would have liked Salford to have dropped points to Harrogate, but Salford, the way they're playing, they're winning a lot of games. But Orient are still above them, and that's the main thing. Exactly, absolutely. So those were our views and we had a huge amount of feedback after this match. So thank you to everybody who uh, contacted us on social media, uh, in our social media accounts. And again, we do try and read out as many as we possibly can. And just because we read them, it doesn't mean we agree or endorse them. So at Richard J. Bourne got in touch by Twitter and he said, teams are going to frustrate you when you're at home. It's a point that should have been more, but the season is a marathon, not a sprint, so keep believing. Very true. And at Samuel LOFC 97 said... Frustrating game, but grand scheme of things, four points from Wrexham and Aldershot would have taken that before the Wrexham game. Yeah, uh, Anastasi Mister uh, said, Aldershot set up for a draw and got it. Not sure what the point of Alibi is. Can't win a header, can't finish his chances and can't hold it up. Midfield were weak today to need to beat these teams if we, win, if we want to win the league. Paul Skinner, 88, said they put 11 men behind the ball. Ekbertel had some terrible touches. Alibi was on, anonymous. Mackinac and Gordon were quite good. Brill, superb. Draw, disappointing, but at least it's not a loss. Yes. El Castaneto said, same problem. We need to put average, time-wasting teams like this away before half-time if we seriously plan to win the league. Sooner or later, we'll get another Sutton. And then Big Ads LOFC said, a point is a point, but sometimes we need to be more direct rather than one pass too much or that one touch too much. Still, this is a game we might have lost last season and we never look like losing this one, in my opinion. I think that's a good point, actually. I thought at times we were trying to do like an Arsenal, for example, mm. where we try and walk it in the back of the net when in actual fact the shot, take a shot, when the opportunity presents itself. And to be fair, that's why I mentioned Matt Howell, because I felt like if you'd brought him on, then Orion actually could have gone direct and you could have just cut out the middlemen. And, you know, if I know we don't really want to see Orient going direct, we'd much rather than pass the ball, but in certain situations, just to pummel the ball long, it knackers, it in, it knackers a defence as well. And eventually... You know, your centre back, the all shot centre back's gonna not have the energy to compete with Harold for a ball and he'll flick it on and bowl and score. So I think that was, you know, probably a night for that. But um at Jagsy nineteen seventy-nine said very Orient esque performance to draw nil nil in a game we should have scored a few. But on a positive note, we didn't lose and we're still top. If you said we'd lose one in twenty two and be top before the season started, I'd have laughed and called you deluded. <laughs> excuse me at Sue underscore Manx said did anyone actually count those yellow shirts I'm sure there were more than 10 they just got in the way like for the whole 90 minutes hashtag frustrating very good (laughs) at Ed Jones 1976 disappointing but how many times do we see teams come here and try to time waste and cheat to get something to take home tonight we just couldn't break them down not the end of the world bring on Saturday and we're still top yeah great tweet that Jamie Stripe said an all round off night but the loss of clay for any length of time might need addressing with a signing to bolster our options obviously he's referring to the fact that Craig had to come off mm. uh, at, uh, at half time there yeah so then at Safin Bob said all the shot came with a game plan 
gamesmanship and six to eight players around our front two at times and it largely worked. Come Saturday, it's the halfway mark of the season. Win and we are on 50 points and top of the league. I think I can live with tonight's result. Yeah, Kid Sampson O tweeted us and he said, my crit- one criticism of Justin this season rears its ugly head again, i.e. not enough squad rotation. He should have rested players at Braintree and we paid the price in the next game. Tonight was a perfect opportunity to switch a few out. Slade made the same mistake in 13-14. That's an interesting point, that. And then at Reedy, QB9 said, need to get used to teams playing like that against us at home. No one's going to fancy coming here and engaging in a game of football. We missed Clay's second half, thought he had a brilliant first 45. That's a fair point, yeah. Mm. Boatsy said, can't believe some fans think it's okay to boo the side tonight. Come on, everyone. Yes, tonight wasn't great, but still top of the league. Point clear and lots of positives to take into Saturday. I don't know about you, George, but I didn't hear any booing. Um, I think maybe people booing the referee. Perhaps, uh, yeah. If there was any, but or, or, or order shot uh, for some of their time-wasting tactics. Maybe. But for me, I don't recall hearing any booing. I actually thought the fans were really good on Tuesday. Um, I put it in my report, but I sort of sensed there was an expectance and there was kind of a bit of patience that they were, they were going to actually, or we're going to get a winner. No, it didn't happen in the end. Yeah. But I think that's a lot more positive than the sort of moans and groans, which we can sometimes hear. But, um, actually, Steve's made a note here, actually. I've just seen it. It was the ref, apparently, being booed mm. from the West End. Fair enough. There you go. So, at Orient Dave said, I'll take it. There's always going to be nights like there, like these, and we've lost a fair share of them over the past year or so. So, we can't be too despondent. We'll come up against teams who approach the game in a similar manner, so we have to hope Justin Edinburgh finds a way to unlock them. Yeah, Tolu underscore Sango said, think people are way too critical of Bond. Had a good game tonight. Every time he doesn't score, people claim he had a bad game. That's the exact same as Harry Kane as well, for Spurs, yeah. I will add. So the final word went to Tobias Lamptey. He said, just one of those nights tonight. Always going to be tough after a big performance on Saturday. Time to freshen up the lineup for me, as we were a little too predictable. Roll on Saturday. So thank you very much to everybody. If you tweeted us and we haven't read you out, we are very sorry we get so many. Uh, we can only read so many out. Prediction League update then. So there was only two predictions Prediction, sorry, for this match. So well done to Jeff Cole 18 and Alan Reed two who both predicted nil nil full prediction league table roundup will follow at the end of this episode so the following day on Wednesday the 28th of November the club announced that midfielder Hector Kipriano had signed a professional contract contract with the club until July 2021 and he will stay on his current work experience loan with Bishop Stalford Hector said I'm really proud it means a lot I came here at under 14's level and the club has supported me so well so I'm glad to be here I think we'd have to say a massive well done to Hector. Yeah, I think and, that's um, right, yeah. Look forward to seeing him progress. Something I noticed with the um, press release is actually the, the pro deal doesn't um, come into play until the summer as well. Um, and I think the reason probably behind that is because when you're uh, an under-18 player, you can go on loan to teams like Stortford and Harlow. Like work Hector. experience Yeah, loans. on a work experience loan. Whereas if he'd signed his pro deal now, yes. he'd have to go to Stortford for a month and... If, if he didn't play for two games or in would have to just leave him there for a month so I think that's probably why but um, it's funny because I, I actually watched Hector play for Bishop Stortford um, I think it was against Tilbury in the Velocity Trophy and um, you know it was his debut and he, he played fairly well but what struck me about him is was he 18 he's Absolutely massive. He's tall. He's so tall. There, and he's he? also pretty filled out as well. Is he? Um, and he's a central midfielder as well, which is unusual stature. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, he, thinking about it, his build, he's 
sort of almost built a little bit like Deli Ali is now, very, very big. Um, and he's got great feet, and, and it really wouldn't surprise me. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but <laughs> I, I know he's very high rate, and it wouldn't surprise me if he sort of, not this season, but over the next year, if he sort of starts to get a few more opportunities and he's sort of pushing Craig Clay, Dal Gorman, and, um, and Charlie Lee and getting to that team because he's uh, definitely got a big, big future from what I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, uh, George. So then, moving on to Thursday, the 29th of November, happy Justin Edinburgh Day. It was one year ago to the day that Justin took over from Steve Davis. His first game was Solihull away on the Saturday, and with the O sitting in 20th in the National League, we're pleased to see how times have changed. So 46 league games, 24 wins, 14 draws with 8 Defeat, 86 points and 73 goals that were scored. I mean, that's a really hot record, it's isn't it? It's an unbelievable record. You're talking, yeah. what, 52% of wins? Yeah. Win rate, 54%? And that's, that's the best of anyone, isn't it? I think, um, I think you go a long way back to see someone that's won yeah, more. Amount, that amount of games, yeah. yeah. And you know, what really struck me, actually, the first time we met Justin... Um, me and Dave after that Solihull game, which anyone that was there will tell you it was a really, really bad day. Um, Orin we did lost 2-0, didn't we? 1-0, and Orin didn't play well at all. Um, and I think everyone sort of expected a bit of a sort of dead cat bounce where you'd have a new manager come in and, and you'd get a reaction. But when we spoke to Justin afterwards, there was just this absolute confidence about him that he was going to turn it around. It didn't matter how bad Orin had just played or what problems were there. He just said with total you know, assurance... I will turn this around, I will sort this out. And I think me and Dave both walked away from watching Orient perform so poorly at Solio and I think it would have been 15 games by then or 16 games about a National League win. And we both sort of looked at each other and thought, yeah, Orient are actually going to be right here. That They're on the verge of the relegation zone, but Justin knows what he's doing and mm. proved to be the case. Absolutely. And I think it would. he signed on the Wednesday, so this announcement last it. year would have been the Wednesday. So he really only had part of Thursday. I think he had one training session, that was all. Fr- yeah, Friday mm. probably. And then they travelled on the Friday and went up. So not really fair for him to, to have that as his first game. But to celebrate uh, the first Justin Edinburgh Day, um, we asked you to uh, give us five words uh, that described uh, Justin Edinburgh. So um, Paul Gregory got in touch and said, handling promotion pressure... Very well. I like it. At Alpha 2 Omega, O's now vanquishing, not languishing. Very good. Jeff D. Graves said, in Justin Edinburgh, we trust. At S. Churchill said, poised, experienced, controlled, respected, winner. And some chap called George Sessions tweeted us and he said, determined, honest leader, and then in brackets, and, I'm not sure if we can allow that, that would be a sixth word, future legend. Yeah, he's always making mistakes, that George, always. (laughs) And then at Caroline13b, just the man we needed. Oh, what a good pun. What a good pun. Uh, Wheeler Dennis said, restored pride back to us. So, very, very good. So, thanks to everybody. We had quite a lot of tweets uh, about that. It's five words to describe Justin Edinburgh. So, thanks to everybody for your input. And then it was also a happy 26th birthday to O's goalkeeper coach, Reese Otley. And as I said to you before, beforehand, you know, I didn't, I don't think Reese looks old, but I just expected him to be older than 26. So fair play to him, Absolutely. 26 and working at a club like Orient, he's doing very well. Great career for him, yeah. Um, later in the day, Peter Gill announced on Twitter that he'd actually left his role as Leighton Orient under-18s manager, which included... Uh, in his time with us, winning the EFL Youth Alliance Merit Division 2 last season. And Peter tweeted, he said, After three and a half years, my time at Orient has come to an end. 
And I just want to say thanks to everyone that has helped me throughout my time at the club. I met some amazing people and made some great memories. Good luck to everyone connected with the club. And we wish Pete all the best in his future endeavours. And don't nick any of our young, prosperous, prospering players, please. Thanks. 100%. Yeah, he's done a really good job. Pete. Hasn't he so just? It's, um, it's a real shame to see him go. And big boots to fill there, I think. Because yeah. um, he's, he's helped a number of players come through, a lot of them. So on uh, Mooney Friday, the 30th of November, the club announced its nominees for Player of the Month. And they are Josh Caroma, unsurprisingly, after mm-hmm. goals at what filed Bromley and Wrexham, mm-hmm. I think it was. Macaulay Bond, who continues to score goals week in, week out. Craig Clay, who, as we sort of mentioned at the start, yeah, been yes. outstanding this season. And then also good to see Josh Coulson in there because he's gone under the radar this year with Marvin sort of taking a little bit of the attention, but Josh has been outstanding. Yeah, and Steve uh, noted that surely it's got to be Josh Garoma. So we'll move on to Saturday and find out who that winner is. We won't keep you waiting any longer in the morning. Uh, the club announced the winner of their Player of the Month award, uh, and Steve, you were spot on. Uh, well done uh, to young Josh Caroma. He had an outstanding month, and obviously long may that continue. In fact, Josh also, he had such a good month that he won the goal of the month for that outstanding effort against Bromley, which also had some brilliant commentary over it, didn't it, by, uh, by good old Andy. So uh, yeah. well done, Josh. Two, two wins there. Very good for him, yeah. He's, he's reaping the rewards of the effort that he's put in. He's got his head down. He's really turned his mm. season, his, his career around, hasn't he? Because at one point... He thought, you know he's got the talent there, it's just his attitude and application just wasn't there. And um, I was at the Theo's Christmas parties there and his mum went over to Danny Webb and said, thanks for everything you're doing for him. Yeah, I think... Him and Justin and Joby put an arm around him and said, come on lad, you've got the talent. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of people deserve credit for it. Um, and I sort of, I, I did tweet it after Saturday. It's, I think one of Steve Davis's big mistakes really was the fact that he didn't spot the talent in Josh because I think he knew how good um, Stephen Alzati was and I think he rated Tristan Abrahams as well but obviously both of them left just before the start of the season and given they'd left you thought Josh would have just been the one that would have got the opportunities but he he didn't he got some opportunities but I think there was a, a little bit of you know disillusion I think with there with Josh because I, I think you know, by all accounts, he wasn't training too badly, but I think he just felt he was not going to get an opportunity under Steve. But Justin come in, and a month later, he got that start away to Dagenham, which I don't think any of us expected him to start that game. Um, and given the sort of flair we'd seen of Josh, I don't think many of us expected him to be sort of tracking his fullback like he did that game. And from then onwards, it's been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, months. And it really like has. Say, a lot of people deserve credit, not just Justin, you know, Joby, Ross and, and Danny as well. They've all put an arm around him and, and steered him in the right direction. So we're reaping that as well. So well done, Josh. Keep up the hard work there, pal. The under-18s enjoyed a week to forget as they suffered a 6-0 defeat away to South End. Uh, this was the Young O's first fixture since, a, since manager Peter Gill moved to uh, the Barnet Academy. Orient were four down at the break as they missed key players through suspension. And the O's will hope for a much better showing as they travel to Luton Town next Saturday. Now thanks go to Dan Walker who reports on the Orient youth team. So thanks Dan. And then for the main event, Gateshead at home. So the team was announced and it was Dean Brew in goal, Sam Ling at right back, Josh Coulson and Marvin Equiteta at the heart of the defence with Joe Widdison on the left side of a back four. In midfield, you had James Dayton, Craig Clay, Dale Gorman, Joe McEnough and Josh Cromer and Macaulay Bond were up front with the substitutes Arthur Giannata, 
Dan Happy, Alex Lawless, James Brophy and James Alabi. Yeah, Sam Ling replaced Miles Judd in the starting eleven as Miles is out with a hamstring injury and Alex Lawless is named on the bench in place of Matt Harold. Dean Brill made his 350th professional appearance. I picked that stat up from someone somewhere, so... Wow. Yeah, that's that, uh, brilliant. Key milestone, that. And bearing in mind, um, I think it was at Inverness when he had two really bad injuries. And I, I think he went almost three years without playing a game. Um, he definitely had an ACL one year and I think he dislocated his knee the following year or maybe 18 months later. So, so you think that would probably be closer to 500 then? 100%. And well, I mean, to, first and foremost, to come back from one injury is good enough, but to do it twice um, and to be putting the performances that he has been putting in, you know, I think... So many clean sheets this season. So um, yeah, long mate continuing. Absolutely. He's um, he's you know he's had a brilliant season. I think I think he'll pretty much be the uh, be up there for goalkeeper of the year. I reckon come the end of it. If that's a Mr. Dagenham guy. <laughs> Elliot Justin. Justin, yeah, yeah, the hell of a game last um, Saturday. Before He's last. been their uh, non-league papers goalkeeper at uh, team of the day for about two out of the <laughs> last three weeks. Um, Steve made a note about good to see Craig Clay recovering in time to play this match, and although Judd will be a loss, Samling is more than capable. Interesting to see that Lawless is on the bench in place of Harold. Yeah, I was surprised Fair by that. I, I, I said it didn't I earlier that I thought those type of games where a team comes and sits eleven behind the ball, Matt Harold would come on and make a big difference, but. I think hindsight um, will show you that Justin was right, actually, given the way the game went. Absolutely. So, so, yeah, we had a couple of tweets in. Yeah, sure. James R.F. Young says, I'd like to see Brophy and Dayton on the wings with Joby in the middle. What do you think about that? It'd be quite interesting, that, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, is he I best think... utilised in the middle, Joby? No, I don't think he is. Not yet. Um, he can play there, but that's probably not a strong... I feel like in probably two years' time, and I know this is crazy because he's 37 and you think... Has he got two years left in him? But I think he definitely yes, does. Yeah. I think when his legs go a little bit more, I think he'll probably be a central midfielder and he'll be a very good one. But at the moment, he can definitely do do more than a job out on the left or right. So yeah. I'd keep him there, I think. Cool. Uh, Stassi Stassi tweeted in saying, I thought Justin said he was going to freshen things up. Um, so yeah, sort of pretty unnamed side. He's obviously decided to stick with what's worked in the past. Yeah, I, I'd imagine that that was... A late call from him. I think in his head, definitely on Tuesday, he was talking to me about freshening up, and I think he spoke to Elliot the following day for their club interview and said similar. But I reckon at the last minute, he just, you know, managers get these little sort of instincts in the gut, um, and went with went with the same, pretty much the same side except for Sam Ling, obviously replacing. Miles Judd. So, um, so Gates had kicked us off at a very drizzly Brisbane Road with the O's still in first place and looking to extend their lead at the top of the table while Gateshead were looking to make it free unbeaten. Yeah, Gateshead started really strongly actually, clearly looking to bring their game to us and get ahead as quickly as they possibly could. They had two efforts on goal in the first uh, few minutes. They did start rather sharply yeah, compared to us. I was impressed with that. I think yeah. actually that was because they didn't play on Tuesday night. Um, I can't remember why. I think it might have actually been a floodlight failure, failure or waterlogged pitch, but given they'd had the whole week off, I think that definitely Fresher. showed. Coming yeah. in a bit. And then in the 10th minute, Joe Woodison, who um, who started well, takes on his man and cuts the ball back for his other fullback, Sam Ling. But he shot over from roughly 20 yards. Yeah, fast forward seven minutes, then into the 17th minute now, and Dow Gorman is fouled. And from the resulting free kick, the ball drops for Josh Caroma, who's curling effort. He's going in, but he's blocked by a Gateshead defender. 
Yeah, and then with 19 on the clock, Lee Molyneux got away from Dale Gorman. After having a couple of efforts blocked, he managed to get one into Dean Brill, but it was an easy save for the yeah. goalkeeper. Yeah, 23 minutes on the clock now, and Orient have not started well, and the first signs of discontent occur when Ling clears the ball. Despite little pressure around him, O's look sluggish and Gateshead appear full of energy. Now, these are I think that's one of your tweets that I pulled out. I think that's quite interesting, actually. Sam, I remember, if I remember the, this opportunity right, and not to dig him out particularly, but I noticed he could have just controlled it and mm. he's passed that right-footed inside of his foot across the pitch to yeah, no one it was... when actually the better option was to take a touch and then look up. Yeah, and um, it's probably worth mentioning now that Sam was definitely not fit yesterday. That's right. Um, and I actually spoke to Justin on Tuesday and spoke to him about Charlie Lee and Sam Ling and, and he said that Charlie would perhaps be in contention for um, for the Gator team, but Samling probably wouldn't be, and that actually he would be more likely to come back against Boreham Wood. But I think Miles Judd's injury, which occurred really late on Friday, um, sort of meant he had to be chucked in, um, especially because all it needs Craig Clay in the middle with Charlie injured. So a bit of a shame for Sam to come in when he's not half fit, but you know at the same time fair play to him for coming in sort of. You know, trying his best. But just thinking then, perhaps a little bit outside the box here, would it not have been better to have started Craig at right back, had Sam on the bench, and then put Joby in the middle and have Brophy and Dayton start on the wings? I think you could have done that. The only trouble with that is if the game doesn't go to plan and it's sort of nil-nil, you'd look at your bench and what would you have? You'd have Alex Lawless, James Alarby and, um, and Matt Harold. but there wouldn't really be anyone there that could come on like Brophy does and sort of take people on and just add a bit of bit of pace really when it comes to sort of beating people um, so I think you could have done that but or Marvin at right back and Dan Happy at left centre back you could do but again the trouble with stuff like this is that rather than just disrupting one position which you know if you just play Sam then you keep everything the same mm. sort of you're disrupting two Quite positions few, so yeah. I think that's probably why he went for it um you know, it could have backfired because Sam you know, wasn't as as good as as we all know he can be. But um, fortunately, he didn't. But yeah, it's a, a bit of a tricky one. And I think the injuries are starting to pile up a little bit. But I, I guess that is this time of the season, isn't it? Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, 26 minutes on the clock then James Dayton's delivery is magnificent uh, John Mellish fires it over his own crossbar from close range so that almost that was spectacularly very, backfired very on, close. on Gateshead there in the Christmas DVD one <laughs> and then in uh, two minutes later in the 28th minute Josh Gromer who had been huffing and puffing away he's given the Gateshead defence a hard time and curls just over from the edge of the area you could certainly tell that he was getting closer there Josh yeah that was a good effort that 31 minutes on the clock then Gateshead Scott Barrow tried a shot from distance but that went wide and then six minutes before the break in the 39th minute an Orient corner come in but Gates had managed to clear after a slight goal match scramble yeah 42 minutes Josh Caroma is having a fantastic match causing Gates had all sorts of problems again he ghosted past an opponent um, he appeals for a penalty actually because he went down inside the box but instead he got a corner uh, for me don't think that was a penalty I think I got quite a lot of tweets after the game actually and they all said it was 100% handball um, but from where I was, it just seemed like one of those where you know the forward's oh, close. Oh, your pardon. Okay, yeah. Because he did go down, so I think a lot of people looked at him for oh, is he been fouled in terms of being tackled? But actually, I think he was. A there was a handball. Oh, that's when the north stand went crazy. Yeah, because there right. was two. Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. Mike Williams. It might have been Fraser Kerr. They were 
both very close to Josh, and one of them has perhaps got there with, with a hand. But yeah, um, and the North Stand aren't particularly sort of noisy like that. But you could clearly see yeah. that they were like, "We're going old the North Stander in tonight." Yeah, so make, so making a bit of noise, making a bit of noise. <laughs> there are people there, and uh, you know, forty fourth minute, and again, Josh Rowan involved, and what an effort it is. He picked the ball up around thirty yards out, drives towards goal, and curls a shot. It beats the goalkeeper, but smashed against the crossbar and bounced down to safety. And that was so, so close to being 1-0 and another goal of the season contender for Josh if he had gone in. 100%. He's trying those slightly more sort of magnificent shots, mm. isn't he? Um, where he's just getting his boot wrapped round the ball and going for the places where the keepers find it hard to get. Yeah, that's... I think a few people set it up as it's that X factor and he's got that and not a lot of people in the National League and even League 2 to be perfectly honest have mm. got the X factor but if you've got it you might as well try and make, make the most of it and he certainly is and the England C goalkeeping coach was in attendance as well That's right, watching yeah. Josh and Mick Bain and um, Marv yeah, watching Marvin, he was there to watch Miles as well, and but Sam still um, is eligible to play. So all three of them, and you know, even you know, he's not playing at the moment, but Sam Sargent, when he's fit, will be sort of in and around that potentially as well. But, um, but I yes. remember, I remember the guy saying that they're particularly short on goalkeepers. Yeah, they are. To, that are eligible for selection because you don't get many playing at that age That's in, in this the, league. So the England C has to be under twenty threes, and also it's not you can't pick lone players, and a lot of National League clubs, if, you, if you'll notice, they're sort of loan players in from League One Championship Premier League so actually you know I think um, Charlie with Granger was really close last season actually yeah. to getting picked um, but then um, got an injury and then got dropped around the time when he when he could have got a chance so a bit unfortunate for him but I think if Sam um, if Sam plays a couple of games in the, the FA Trophy which he very well could do then he, um, he could certainly find himself in the England City I think their next game's March so a little while away but yeah. if he plays sometime between now and then he, he's definitely he's got definitely a chance contention, representing his country So there was a minute of additional time uh, played out and the ref brought the uh, half to an end it's nil-nil at half time with 4,636 in attendance with 51 of those uh, being away we were joking saying a coach brings 50 doesn't it so who's 50 yeah 50 or 52 I yeah, thought so I looked at that and I thought you just need a minibus yeah well I mean uh, we, we didn't won- go to the expense we of wondered coach. who was the odd person there that didn't, didn't fill the coach <laughs> yeah. maybe it was That's the driver to sit in the toilet all the way home yeah it could well be so the second half kicked off with no subs for him and in the 50th minute a short corner routine was headed out to Dale Gorman but he, vol- he volleyed towards goal but it took a deflection and went behind yeah, 52 minutes on the clock. The O's uh, putting plenty of pressure um, on by winning three corners in very quick succession. The third headed just wide by Sam Ling at the near post. And then seven minutes later in the 59th minute, the breakthrough was finally made. Josh Cromer picked up the ball, come inside Mike Williamson, left him on his backside, I should say, as well. Beat another defender and curled into the top corner to make it 1-0 and, and release the tension that had been building around the stadium. Yeah, and what a great goal that was. I mean, Josh's composure inside the box was you know, something you'd expect off of someone much older. Yeah, his, his close control is just absolutely exceptional. And you know, the, when he's running at people and sort of, as I said, leaving them on the backside, he's just a joy to watch, isn't he? Really, it's really, it really is. It's exciting. It's like getting your mm. bum off, to, getting you off your chair just just to watch it. Uh, fast forward then to the 70th minute. Alex Lawless, or was it Zorro with his face <laughs> yes. mask, replaced Sam Ling, and we saw Craig Clay move into right back, and Alex Lawless slotted in, um, slotted in there. Um, I made a point. Uh, I made a note here that don't think Sam had had a good game. Um, 
to be honest, I think maybe that was due to a lack of game time. As it turned out afterwards, it turns out that he um, he's still not quite 100% fit and yeah. was filling in because we were lacking bodies in there. I think the game time thing is probably a fair shout as well because even if he had been 100%, you, you'd imagine he wouldn't have been at top form. And I think with Sam Ling, having sort of known how good he was at Dagenham, when he plays three or four, four games in a row and he's in the flow of things, that's when you see your best Sam Ling and... It's hard because at the moment Miles has played so, so well, well. He just he just can't get a look in. But I think you know if Miles does miss a sort of you know a, a little period of time, three or four games, I think Sam will definitely take his opportunity and and show how good he is because he he's a brilliant player. And it's just a shame for him that Miles Judds is is also a brilliant player. To be yeah, honest, absolutely agree with you. So in the seventy fourth minute, we had another substitution as James Brophy replaced Dale Gorman. And this saw Joby McEnough move into the centre alongside Alex Lawless. So it was Brophy and Dayton on the wings like somebody had requested earlier. Yeah, it's been more of Orient this half, but Dean Brill needed to be alert as Gateshead had an effort in the 77th minute. Yeah, that was a pretty decent header from him, Riley, from their substitute. And then in the 82nd minute, Gateshead went even closer to an equaliser as a cross come in and Tom White let fly and his shot went literally inches wide. Yeah, and that I, was really I thought close. that was in, to be yeah, honest. The way it skidded well. off the side. Surface. It just looked like it was going in the bottom corner. but Makes you nervous not. there. Uh, in the 86th minute, Pears in the Gateshead goal needed to be very, very alert as he clawed away Macaulay Bond's effort that looked to be heading into the top corner. And uh, I was speaking to Elliot at the uh, at Theo's gang's party today and I saw they'd noted it and I think you'd noted it as well that it had come off the crossbar but I don't remember seeing that. I just remember seeing his hand just like claw it away. So maybe his hand sort of done that, touched it onto the crossbar yeah. and the crossbars. I thought he I thought he sort of clawed it onto the crossbar. He may That's well have done. I, I don't know if he was trying to push it over the bar, maybe. I have to watch the highlights was, I think it was sort of a chip from McCauley and I think he sort of pushed it up over his head and then onto great the bar. Great save though. But it was, great um, save. It was a great save. Brilliant work as well from Clay, bombing forward and right back. He, uh, I think he beat two or three then and then found Bond. So um, again, just showing how good he is really. Yeah. Sending midfield right back doesn't really bother him. And then in the 86th minute, or it made their third and final change as James Dayton was replaced by James Alabi, who would be looking to make more of an impact than he did on Tuesday night. Yeah, I always feel it's a bit of a shame though. You bring the guy on with like five or six minutes to go. Like, what are you going to ex- what What are your expectations of that player in that in mm. that time? If you're asking him to go and get a goal, he's probably going to need more than five minutes yeah. in a really tight game. If it's quite an open, expansive game, say, look, all right, just go out and enjoy mm. yourself, and what you do, you do. But um, anyway, we'll and find out what happens. Being a forward as well, you feel for him because he's probably played, what, five, six, seven, five minutes at the end of a game. But on his appearances, that's five or six games where he hasn't scored. scored and goal, people look yeah. at that record and think, he scored one goal in 14 games. He's, he's rubbish. But actually, when you actually delve a bit deeper, it's not as it's black like, and white yeah, as that. 100%. And that's what I think the issue when he came to us was that he went yeah. on loan at Dover from Tranmere and he's played out on the wing. It, but no yeah. one knows that. Yeah. It's just he's a striker. He didn't score any goals and therefore, oh, how good must he be? But if you actually ask him, he'll tell you, well, I was played out on the right wing. I'm not a winger. <laughs> Stats are brilliant on certain occasions and then other times they just they completely misguide you. Absolutely. 90th minute then. Um, so as the game should be ended, it should be 2-0 as James Alabi found James Brophy that his touch was poor and it allowed Williamson, the ex-Newcastle United centre-half, uh, Mike Williamson, to slide in and block uh, for the ball to go out for a corner. Yeah, Brophy really should have scored then and you're sort of fearing that it could be, um, could we could come back to Haunt or in it. Six minutes were added on 
from the uh, the fourth official, which yeah. to be fair, I think probably was right because there was a really long stoppage in that. There one. was a couple, weren't there? There was Coulson went down was with it. a head, and there was someone else there that went down with num- an injury. Oh, there was a bit of Joe Woodison. Um, and it Joe wasn't Lidden's an injury; it was something to do with his tape. sock um, taping on his. I sock think or it something. was. I think his shin pad had come. Was either showing through his sock, and it, they needed to put tape around it, or. Um, he just had a hole in his sock, full stop. But yeah, that, that was a bit of a strange one. Unbelievable. And then in the 90th minute, Mike Williamson's effort is deflected behind the O's goal and the Gateshead keeper appears, comes up, but, unfortunate, but fortunately, I should say, it amounts to nothing. Yeah, so fast forward six minutes then. Um, in the 90 plus six minute, game set and match, really. Uh, goal for Leighton Orient as Macaulay Bond... Um, the second highest scoring player in the league as it stands at the moment. Uh, he put us 2-0 uh, up. It was all about James Alabi, really, who chased the lost cause. He picked up Barrow's uh, back pass, squared it to an unmarked Macaulay Bond uh, for a tap-in. I mean, you've left Macaulay Bond unmarked in the 18-yard box. I mean, that's just stupid in the first place. But that's great. Uh, and Maka Bond uh, made it 2-0, sealed the game. Yeah, I love the celebrations afterwards. Everyone ran towards Alabi, didn't they? And I think that just shows you the team spirit. It's, yes. it's like I mentioned... Alabi is a forward and he isn't scoring the the sort of goals you'd expect. But this is what he does. He come on at Wrexham and he basically made James Brophy's second goal by chasing the lost calls. Exactly the same thing this time. Didn't need to chase after um, Scott Barrow, the Gateshead left back, but he did. Then he got the ball and very unselfish as well because he easily could have scored. So I think those celebrations were, uh, were very poignant. I think everyone in the Orient team can appreciate the role James Alabi has, even if perhaps some other fans can't see at the moment. There you go. Absolutely. And then there was still time for a red card, luckily not for Orient, as um, Greg Ollie picked up a second yellow for a foul on the rampant James Delarby. And to be honest, I thought Ollie was a little bit fortunate to um, to only get a yellow in the first half for a bit of a bad tackle on Dale Gorman, if I remember right. Yes. He was quite high. That's right. So the ref brings the game to an end as the O's win again and rocking all over the world blares out across... Uh, the stadium so absolutely uh, from a game that we didn't actually think was going to be uh, anything more than nil nil draw we've ended up um, we've ended up with uh, with a two nil scoreline so uh, we weren't able to be at the post match but George you were but thanks to Dave Victor we've got uh, a few minutes here uh, of Dave's interview with assistant manager uh, Ross Embleton which we'll listen to now. Well, Ross, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. It's an important win and a win you had to work hard for. Very much so, yeah. I think um, when you group together three games like we've had in the last week, you know, it's, it's tough. And, and, and sometimes you can get to that last one and think, come on, we've got a little break in terms of a you know, week between now and the next one. Um, so it's important to, you know, to try to sign off that week with a, with a good feeling. And then also the fact that you know, you can... Drop points if you like on Tuesday night. It wasn't it wasn't the maximum points that we were all hoping for? Um, so to bounce back with another freeze is vitally important. To take seven points from the week, I think we're, we're happy with that. Josh Kamoma doesn't score simple goals, does he? No, certainly not. It's funny because um, he's getting to that stage now where you where you sort of be expecting of him when he gets into those positions, and um, it, it's something that the, the managers put onto him to say that you know he needs to be more of a threat in and around the box, and, and he, he he works he works on his finishing. Whether it be out with Danny Webb, 
uh, his extra sessions we do in the morning or whether he stays out himself and, and, and does that extra bit by himself or with other players in the group so it's fully deserved it's not a fluke he's playing with his head up now isn't he? he's looking for options he's so ambitious yeah I think he's got a bit between his teeth Dave I think if you look at him you know people talk a lot about the gaffer's been here a year now if you look at the, situ- the, the position and the situation that Josh Caroma was in this time last year he's come a hell of a long way physically he can you know he can cope now you tire in towards the end like the rest of the boys were but we know that we can move him into a position he can help us and protect us defensively as well as being that you know having that energy and that one 1v1 that wonderful 1v1 ability in the final third the first day in December it won't be too long till January are you worried that other clubs are looking at just how good Josh Caroma is at the moment Certainly, you always worry when, when your players are doing well. I think you know when you're a team at the top of the league that we are at the moment, everybody's going to be looking at a lot of your players. Certainly, Josh at his age and the performances he's putting in, the, the uh, elements of his game that he's added, certainly this season, he's going to turn heads. And uh, that's something that you know, we should be proud of for him in terms of the performances he's putting in and something that we, you know, we've, got, we've got to expect that it's going to be that focus on our players. I don't think he's the only one in our squad that, that people are going to be... Um, going to be very keen on that's that's part of the position that you're in absolutely another goal for Macaulay Bond of course yeah exactly I think um, there needs to be real recognition for for what James did in terms of running that that channel and getting onto that that ball into the corner and then that you know with 40 seconds or whatever it was that was remaining I think whether people would have blamed him for trying to be selfish and finish it off with, with his own with a goal for himself so you know, a lot of credit goes to James for running into that area and, and then picking Macca out and, and very little doubt when Macca gets into those positions The headlines will of course go to the strikers but the defence is the best in the league it, it, It's um, something that they all deserve huge credit on It's, um, it's I think it's a massive element of what we're about if you look at you know, at times last year where we were vulnerable, I think we've added that real element of um, we enjoy enjoy defending our box when we have stages where we look like we're under a little bit of pressure. I think I look at a lot of our back four and our goalkeeper, and then obviously the midfield players that that join in with that situation. But I think they're happy to defend those those areas. And and, and in this league, a lot of teams put a lot of balls in the box so you've got to be willing to put your bodies on the line but first and foremost you've got to be willing to be aggressive in that area of the pitch and I think that's something we've certainly added individually the players have certainly added that to, to our performances this year and you had to reorganise the defence what's the news regarding Miles Judd? Uh, Miles pulled up with an injury yesterday um, I think he's due to he was even, no, it wasn't, wasn't last night. He's due to go to a scan probably Monday uh, to see the, the severity of it. He had a, problem, a bit of a problem with his hamstring. Um, obviously, he's had you know a lot of football in, in recent times, so we're hoping it's not anything particularly serious. Um, probably put Lingy back in a bit earlier than, than we were anticipating that happening. You know, in, in terms of the form that we're in and, and where well Miles has done. But I think the the fact that Lingy's put his body on the line takes a hell of a lot of credit. You know, he's come out there today probably a week before we, we anticipated he was going to be ready to go and play we, we looked at probably Haringey Borough on Monday night and thought that Lingy would get some vital minutes on, on Monday so for him to, to put himself forward and, and step into to Juddy's shoes when he's probably not at full fitness he's um, you know deserves real credit because it's been a difficult season for Sam hasn't it I mean, he was injured pre-season wasn't he yeah he did obviously the, the, the thing that Sam and Josh both had as well is they, they went away with England at that sort of awkward time after the season had ended I think it was the back end of May um, so their rest time was probably a little bit less than everybody else then he come back he, he picked up an injury and then again um, very early in the season it was one of those where he picked something up against Barrow very early 
um, and got through it for the next couple of games and then it's been something that's sort of caught up with him on a number of occasions but like I say credit to him to come in to step in today for the period of time he did without being fully fit Charlie Lee is training again yeah. I understand but it's been an opportunity for Dale Gorman because it must have been frustrating for him after the summer move I think when you um, when you look at all of the squad it's um, you know a strange scenario for, for Dale he obviously came in and was injured immediately really um, and then the, the, the season goes well for us and everybody thinks oh, everybody must be happy but you're a professional you want to play football every day I think Adele Gorman as well he's at a new club he wants to set a marker he wants to show people what he's capable of and it took him a hell of a lot of time to do that it was little fits and starts little 10-15 minute periods here and there I'm really pleased he's managed to get in the team and obviously you know, he's come off in the last couple of games with 10-15 with minutes to go but I think that's you know another level of where he's got to get to and kick on to in order to stay in the team for 90 minutes and is it fair to say that he's still growing because there are times when he really shows you what he's capable of yeah. but it's sometimes a little inconsistent is that fair? Yeah I, th- I think for, for Dow like that I think you know elements of the fact that he's He's, he's probably catching up a little bit still and, and people will say well he should be fit enough by now it's a long way into the season but unless you're playing games on a regular basis and like we've had this week three games in a short space of time it's very tough to, to come in and perform at that level in every game for 90 minutes so we've got to be careful and respect the, the situation that he's in physically but I think you, you slowly see it you know there's been a couple of occasions when he's picked the ball up in and around the edge of the box and he's one of those players that always wants to get on the ball he's always showing that even if he's perhaps not had a game to turn everybody heads he's, he's willing and he's, he has that desire to keep continuing to get on the ball and help us play In the other injuries Josh Coulson he's such a brave player it was a heck of a whack he took in the second half Yeah a big bang to the head but we all know that that area of his body is quite capable of dealing with that so um, no, I think uh, it was something that he shrugged off at that period of time and, and, and we would hope and so far there's been no report that that's anything more than just a knock during the game Finally for me Ross there are only 51 travelling fans but a crowd in excess of 4,500 Brilliant I mean, it's been a lot, a lot of football for us isn't it in the like, second in the last week I've repeated myself a number of times but magnificent crowd that went to Wrexham good turnout against Aldershot in the week and then to follow that up you know we fully respect it's coming up to Christmas and people are putting their hands in their pockets and following and I know times today it took a little bit of time to get going but it's vital that when we do sort of you know give people that opportunity to, to get off their seats and, and back us that, that we have that and, and, and again we saw it at the last stages of the game we, we had the you know the backing of the crowd and that means a hell of a lot to get us over the line when, it, when it's tough like that Congratulations Thanks Ross Thank So thanks very much to Dave Victor and as you can see he's done a pretty comprehensive um, uh, round up really with Ross about players and injuries and, and so on and, uh, and, and Ross doesn't hold back he's, he's really honest and uh, uh, absolutely outstanding there, uh, and I think about the fans. I thought we just—I probably should have written this in my post-match notes. Actually, that we were a little bit quiet yesterday. I thought um, probably could have done with making a bit more noise to help yeah, support. There was certain occasions, wasn't there? Um, I think especially first half. I know it was a bit of a subdued first half, but you know sometimes you do need the fans just to sort of give the game a little bit of a lift. Yeah. I know. I know. Obviously, it's down to the players. You know, nine times out of ten, but every now and then you do need the fans just to sort of give it a little bit of oomph and um, I think you're right they were a bit quiet and I think um, perhaps 51 Gateshead fans probably didn't help that because if you've got like with Tuesday night you had so many Aldershot fans they were giving loads of sticks to the South Stand and the South Stand were giving it back and it sort of builds the atmosphere Build, yeah. doesn't it but you when just you, need those antagonists don't yeah, you yeah when you've only got 51 fans and they're all probably knackered from making like six hour journey <laughs> yeah. they don't feel like giving it back but um, I think in the end they, they were there and once or it went one new up they, they were fully behind the team as well 
Fantastic. So that win means that the Orient stayed top of the National League, one point ahead of second place Salford, who also won as they beat Haven and Waterlooville 3-0 yesterday. So with half the season gone, that's 23 games played with 14 wins, 8 draws and 1 loss. We've now accumulated 50 points, so doing even better than that 2 points average per game with a massive goal difference of plus 31. So my views on that were today, I think we saw a Gateshead team who came to play football without the time-wasting cheating tactics that we've seen from other teams. So huge credit to them. They had a lot of the ball without really seriously testing Dean Brill, but a couple of shots uh, went just wide, thankfully. Us, on the other hand... Uh, us, on the other hand, seemed to struggle to cope in the first half. I think parts of the second half of Gateshead, uh, with their high press and intensity, I think they absolutely, as I said to Justin or Ross today at, the, at Theo's gang, I said, you know, they set up to actually get in our faces, get up quite quickly, press us a lot from the off, get a goal, and then they're in control of the game. But we weathered it all, and a piece of brilliance from Josh Caroma saw him further justify his Player of the Month for November award. And also, huge credit to James Alabi, who left his man and set up Bond to score uh, the second goal. I thought um, Craig Clay, uh, Joe Woodison, Marvin Ekpoteta and Josh Coulson did very, very well. Uh, but I think Lynn and, to an, a certain extent, uh, maybe James Dayton struggled a bit today. Um, obviously, both were substituted. It turns out that, obviously, as we now know, that um, Sam wasn't uh, Sam wasn't match fit. Um, but he stepped in, put himself uh, put the team first, and stepped in uh, to support the team. So huge admirer of that level of commitment. Winning isn't winning pretty isn't always possible, but winning we are, and we sit top of the league at the halfway mark, which. Which is awesome. You really couldn't ask. Uh, really couldn't ask for any more. I just think that record is unbelievable. Um, half a season in the league and only have lost once. That's just you know. It's incredible. Think, think back to last season. By the fourth game of the year, whenever I'd already lost more than that, they'd lost to Sutton and, and Bromley. So I just you can't you can't keep more praise than we already have. And I think yesterday's result come the end of the season. I'd like to think that'll be a really really big three points because. You know, Gateshead have not got a lot of money, but Steve Watson is doing a hell of a job down there. Isn't he? I, it wouldn't surprise me, given the way they played yesterday. If they can get in someone that will take their chances, I, I think they could well find themselves in the playoffs. Um, and I think a lot of sides will actually struggle against against Gateshead this season. And in these type of games, especially at Brisbane Road, you do need a bit of magic. Um, and you know, I think against Bromley, you had Joby producing it, and then and then Josh and McCauley Bond's done it a number of times. And I think or it needed something yesterday and. Yeah, Josh Cromer was the man to do it and um, I think that, that will be another couple to his highlights reel which is just unbelievable yeah. this month let alone this season I think really yeah absolutely and I think fair play to Gateshead as well they'd only lost four games away from home yeah. Um, before that but um, Steve said another win in a difficult game that's what separates champions from playoff places so well done O's Josh Caroma take a bow lad he's getting better every week what a difference a year makes though this time last year we were talking about being 20th in the league and consecutive defeats away to Torquay and Solihull and a year later here we are we've taken 50 points from 23 games and a 14 points clear of the playoff places, which is absolutely amazing. That's a really good point. I think you made that point actually before we came on. Yeah. So, yeah. so Gates said have got thirty six, um, and Sutton are eighth as well, and Eastley and Orient have got fifty. So that's you know it's not it's not going to happen. Touch wood, is it? But yeah, or, they've all or got or a win, and we've all got. Or we could lose the next five, and they'll they'll still be in the playoffs. Um, and to be honest, they could lose the next two, and they'll still be ahead of both Harrogate and Wrexham, are third and fourth. So. Slowly, there's a there's a little bit of a gap opening up, um, 
I don't think that happened by this time last year. I've, I've got a feeling, um, I think strangely, when Orient played Dover in November last year, Dover were top. And then when they played Sutton in December, Sutton were top. So it was kept changing, it was changing it? so much. Yeah. But, um, but Orient have been top for two weeks now, and that's quite a long period of time <laughs> yeah. to, to, to be in November. Because um, the season's only probably, what, eight to ten weeks old, and Orient have been top for two weeks now. So they're doing very well, very, very well. Cool. Anything you wanted to to add? Um, just that I think that's the you know that is your typical home game in the national league. It's difficult. Um, you know the opposition are not there just to let you run you know run rings like having a Waterlooville did recently. Yeah. Um, and the first goal is so so key in all these games. If Orient it, it? score first, then it, the you know, the opposition have got to come forward and they've they've got to sort of take the game to you. And, and when that happens, that's when people like Bon and, and Josh Gromer, um they come to the fore. And I actually spoke to the Gateshead manager after the game, um, Steve Watson, and and he was he assessed it pretty well as well. For he said that. You know, Gates had done well to a certain point, but they just didn't have the magic that Orient did, and I thought that was fair play. Fair, he, he could have sort of tried to turn it around and say that that you know they were incredibly unlucky, but he, he was pretty honest. I thought so. Fair play to him. Absolutely. So again, we had a lot of views come in after this, and we've got a, a small selection here uh, for you. So. Um, at Paul underscore LT2P said we won dirty and we now have 50 points on the board a strange game some excellent individual performances from Karoma Woodison and Coulson but the team really didn't click but who cares we're top of the league yeah Woodison was excellent definitely worth mentioning him at Mark Shepherd underscore 79 we were poor especially first half Dayton insisting on coming inside causing a lot of issues and not giving fullback options second half Dayton was much wider and we started building pressure Let's keep quiet about Josh. Let's say it was a miss hit or the Sharks will circle. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> uh, fan uh, Basing said, Karoma was a difference again. Gets better every game. Decent team, Gateshead, who looked good in the first half. Really good win, that. At Dave, 18-12, 50 points. We, we are safe. Very <laughs> true. Never mind Bond. If Karoma continues in this form, we will have a fight to keep him. I like the cynical Orient fan who's looking at this as like, actually, now we're not going to get relegated rather than actually <laughs> we sat top of the league. Um, I Heart Rushmore said, good win. Joby, Josh, Joe Woodison and the midfield duo all played well. But I did get a little worried at 1-0 when we were one-on-one at the back a couple of times. Great atmosphere and love being top of the league at the halfway stage. At Sound Boast 1, scoreline flatters us a bit, but second half much better. Some good individual performances. Karoma was unplayable and fair play to James Alawi. Dangerous player to bring mm. on as an impact sub. Good point there. At Wadsy said, let's be honest, we've not been playing as well as we have done for a few games, but we're grinding out results. That's a sign of a team with a winning mentality. Well taken goals, but a tiny negative to add to your podcast. They didn't score in the north end again. Maybe well, it's you, mate. You need to sit in the north, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or come and sit in the south. Or that, yeah. <coughs> At The Authentic Gaz, half-term report is looking very good. Top of the league, 50 points on the board, a goal difference of plus 31 and only one league defeat. Now let's keep this going for another 23 games. Yeah, At Orient Sphincter said, thought it was relatively comfortable against a team who might make the playoffs. Without being cocky, there was a golf there. It's actually scary how good Karoma can be. Love this group. Yeah, so true. At Orient Fan TV, got the goals that our play deserved in the second half. First half, quite even. Strange atmosphere again, the same as on Tuesday night. Halfway through the season and still only lost one game. I think the players now expect not to lose, which is a good thing. 
Yeah, at Ian Tutton said, halfway through, nobody comes close to Josh Coulson for a man of the season so far. He's just outstanding. Very good shout. Yeah. At Olin God Godleg, yeah. An extremely good game with both teams trying to win. Gates said are a good side, but fortunately failed to take two really good chances. Craig Clay was outstanding, and Josh Cromer is getting better and better. Roll on Christmas when Salford play Wrexham twice. <laughs> <laughs> At Rayleigh Dave said, tough, tough game, but bring on Cromer. He's up there with the greats. Cunningham, Chidozi, Comfort, Brabrook, uh, Brabrook and Lazarus. I mean, that's that's quite some comparison, mm. uh, considering Josh's um, sort of point in his career. But he's he, he's saying he's that good. He's playing a different game. Greatness awaits. Let's hope it's with the O's for a few more years with a load of emo clapping emo clapping emojis. Should be fingers crossed emojis as well. I think. Yeah, that. I think so. At Speno eleven, tough game today. Impressed with Gateshead and Steve Watson, and could see him going to Hartlepool United. But we kept going and got a deserved win. Got to remember we hit the woodwork twice. Thought our luck was out. Glad I was wrong. Clay again fantastic as Cromer unplayable and Alabi unselfish. Yeah, James could. That's actually a really good point actually because James could have probably tried a more selfish striker would have tried their best with Dr- that rather than Lane. Cromer and Bomb probably would have done, and you know you wouldn't have had a go at them for doing so. But yeah, I think that's why I think those celebrations were so poignant because James Alabi from what I can see he's putting the team first ahead of his own personal glory and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that I couldn't agree with you more At only one team said it took a bit of magic to open Gates head up and once again Josh Caroma supplied it how good is he his running in close control is just a joy to watch back five once again was solid keeping another clean sheet we just need to keep going and the final word goes to Chris Kane 1992 first half looked like a game was going the same way as all the shot but a bit of individual brilliance from Chroma and persistence from Alabi got us the three points substitutes substitutes are there to impact the game and Alabi once again did that very good point Chris as well so let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that we've read out you can email us uh, at uh, sorry, or in Outlook at Outlook.com or you can tweet us at or in Outlook we're also on Facebook and Instagram, Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. So we are currently at 83 minutes, so let's uh, fast forward then. So prediction league update, quite a lot here. So well done to Grunt the Posty, at Faithful Fennec, at Elvis uh, Memphis, at Anti Knife UK 2018, uh, who predicted 2 0. Extra well done to Gary Hammond Perk, Jeladar, O's Fan Basin, Record Blue App, George Girks, East London Exile, Tino Le Cerf. Uh, Brit Leon uh, Devises and uh, Akeskin, Barry Twin again, Big TB47, who all went 2 0 uh, and one scorer, so you get the bonus point there, so that's four points to you guys. But super kudos to Peter L. Davy, Essex underscore O, Robert Lock 14, Jeff Cole 18, Bayford underscore Joel, who sits a couple of rows behind me, James RF Young, ALB 5399, uh, Luke BR 1998. Gorillas 1985, Rob MCC 68, who all predicted 2-0, and both scorers getting the maximum of five points. So don't forget, there's a full uh, prediction league um, um, that's kept up to date on the uh, on the Facebook page as well. You'd imagine some of those lads do 2-0 on Chrome and Bond every week, wouldn't you? Yeah, because you've uh, got to think at some point it's yeah, going to come in, right? They're, they're, yeah, you've always got to put them two to score and that score one. Yep. So moving on to Sunday, the 2nd of December, which is today. Happy 33rd birthday to O's goalkeeper, Dean Brill. Now, Dean 
even though he's 33, I was talking to the England C goalkeeper coach um, and assistant Mick Payne yesterday, and he was saying that he thinks Dean could easily play for another three to four years. Um, and I think he's probably spot on because I think now Dean's training week in, week out and not having to focus on the coaching, he looks a lot fitter. Yeah, um, he's and, lost a lot of weight. Yeah, he? he definitely has. I know he, I think he'd probably admit his start of the season was not as. To the, to the sort of higher standards he'd hoped because he made a couple of mistakes and I think the Barrow game springs to mind but I can't really remember him making a mistake since September to be honest um, and a lot of people talk about the back four but it, it, you know, it, it really is a back five isn't it and, and the number of clean sheets they've kept is, is testament to Dean and yeah. 33 but I think he um, he could be in the Orient goal for a few years yet by, by the way he's going well. yeah I think that's right and I think the way he marshals them as well he's very vocal mm. and you don't often get that and he's prepared to put himself in the way where some keepers might not uh, Dean was amongst a number of the playing staff who attended Theo's gang Christmas party today uh, which I attended for the first time oh, with, with my little Theo as well um, everyone was there Kent and Nigel were there uh, Michael Moher and, um, and Reese and, and Emma and all the back office, uh, back office sort of management mm. staff, their team. Um, I, at the end, as I was leaving, I, I could hear Charlie Lee grassing up all the players who had to pay fines. So a couple of them turned up late. I think one of them didn't turn up, and so I think he's saying, "Hey, Joby, Joby, like this one didn't do this, and that one turned I up late." I can imagine then, Charlie Lee doing that. He's, he can be a. Uh... Be a little bit mischievous, I think, Charlie. I think that's exactly so I, I it. Set, definitely um, see him doing that. So Joby was well aware of that by the end of it. I had a good chat with Ross and Justin. Um, and yeah, just sort of all, everyone's sort of super positive. But one thing I did uh, pick up and I learned uh, is that Sam Sargent is ranked 13th in the world at FIFA, the football really? uh, computer yeah, game, yeah. right? Now I don't. I haven't picked up a computer game for about twenty five years, so I'm really out the mm. loop with all of this. But Kent was. This conversation came about because Kent said, "Oh, uh, he said, oh, Sam said to Kent, oh, I'll email you something.'" And, and Kent said, "Yeah, he's going to sort of send me some FIFA stuff because Kent plays it as well." And Kent <laughs> says he's in the top five percent. <laughs> well, top five percent well, of Kent the world. Is. Yeah. And and Sam's, Sam's the thirteenth best in the world in the world at so, FIFA I used to play FIFA um, I'm not actually that old surprisingly even though I look at it I'm, I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only 25 but I used to play FIFA probably about 10 years ago um, but my little brother plays it and I don't really I know you can play like oh i team and things like that but I don't really I don't get, know I don't get that you can be 13th in the world but I think you play competitively yeah but, I think that's, that's but through I don't know how it works team, but yeah well, I don't know I mean, how it works. Sam Sargent's a pretty decent Out goalkeeper, in my, in my opinion, but he's, he's obviously a much better FIFA player by the sounds <laughs> of it. So also, huge congratulations to the two Joshes, that's Coulson and Karoma, who were both named in the non-league papers uh, team of the day. And also congratulations to Joe Widdison and long-lived JK, who were also named in the uh, Vanarama National League's uh, team of the day as well. So, um, full credit to um, to both Joe and uh, and Josh uh, Josh Caroma for the National League award there. So they were in their team Great of the weekend see, um, as well. See Joe Willison in there because he's been so consistent. Unsung hero, and I he? think I, I would go as far as to say he's probably been one of the most consistent players since Justin Edinburgh took over. Um, you know, he, he had he you know like everyone, he has the odd Ricky every game, but. Every week he's pretty much a seven out of a seven out of ten, and yeah, it's those sort of players that are so so important to the whole team dynamic. And um, and yeah, he was really good yesterday, so I think he he definitely deserved to be in that team. Cool. 
So, fantasy football update. Oh, uh, just the ladies. We haven't done the ladies. Sorry, I jumped ahead by one. My bad. Uh, where's the ladies? There was no first team action for the ladies, but the development team did play in the Greater London Development Team. Uh, in the in, sorry, in the Greater London Cup, uh, and they were four-one winners against Clapham, thanks to two goals from uh, Sualia and a goal each for Ella May and Kaylee Harris. So, well done to the ladies' development team today. Certainly. <coughs> so, a fancy football update. The tables are currently being updated, but as it stands, Tolu Sangawara is still top of the Orient Outlook Podcast Fancy Football League with eight hundred and thirty-eight points, with Weda Brendan just six points behind. Steve is 53rd and Paul, you are 94 out of 195. Yeah, but that's before they take into account those points, I will add. I'm so will you be higher? to be higher than yeah, that. So yeah. At least yeah. you're in the top half, I think. Yeah, aren't you? absolutely. Nice. Yeah, not bad. Dream Team update. Julian Lillington is top of the Orient Outlet podcast Dream Team League with 873 points. Steve's in 6th. And I'm 49 out of 112, so I, not doing too bad there I either. I didn't see this myself, but I was sitting next to Kevin Dickerson yesterday and he said that he spotted Julian fall over when he was trying to collect the ball in the first <laughs> half. <laughs> Even the first half or second half, but he was cracking up saying, look at Julian Lindland falling over trying to crack, um, pick up the ball. So um, sorry, Julian, for, for letting everyone know that. <laughs> so positives and negatives this week. George, you want to do the positives? Well, still top of the league, yep. massive positive, um, and especially heading into December. Um, on top of that, you know, three clean sheets. I think it is now, isn't it? With um, with Wrexham, Aldershot, and and the Gateshead game. Oh so yes, that's, yes, that's good spot. Absolutely yep. superb, to be honest. Um, and you know, as you put, if you keep clean sheets, you don't lose games. And um, and I guess final positive. Bon and Chrome on the score sheet again, and um, you know they're both absolutely on fire at the moment. And yeah. even though Bon, you know, he's he's not been massively involved over the last three games, but you know, still scored two vitally important goals, especially the first one at Wrexham. And um, we spoke about Josh, hasn't we? He's just unplayable at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah, long mate. Hottest prospect in the league, I'd say. Negatives then. Charlie Lee is still out injured, and obviously Peter Gill. Sad to lose uh, Peter Gill um, to to Barnet as well. So. Um, moving on then uh, Hero of the Week this week goes to it won't be any surprise to anyone Josh Kuroma well done Josh couldn't be anyone else couldn't be anyone else so the plaudits are out for him uh, this week so next week's fixtures there's a couple actually so Leighton Orient 11 are in action on Monday night the 3rd of December in the London Senior Cup as they travel to Haringey Borough Haringey Borough of the Bostick Premier this will be a 7.45 kickoff, and it will be a pretty tough game as Haringey Borough are in great form they've won 5 out of the last 5 since losing to AFC Wimbledon in the FA Cup a couple of weeks ago and the winner of this game as well will be um, travelling to Welling United in the quarterfinals of that competition so um, yeah good good game I reckon yeah very good then we travel to Boreham Wood on Saturday the 8th of December it's live in front of the BT Sport cameras Boreham Wood are currently 11th in the National League and had a weekend off as their opponents FC Halifax were in FA Cup action the O's will bring a big crowd for this one and the TV cameras will be out so Boreham Wood will be fresh and very much up for this one. If you go and have, do have a safe journey, I've got my ticket uh, so I will see you there and why not send us a tweet on the way to, during or after the match.
And finally, don't forget to order The Challenge Culture by Nigel Travis today at Amazon.co.uk, which Paul will tell you is a very good read. It is a very good read. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode number 162. It's been a busy week on the pitch as Orient had two tough home fixtures which resulted in a hard-earned point on Tuesday night against a resilient Aldershot team and a solid 2-0 victory against Gateshead as we're now at that halfway point in the league campaign. And it has to be said, we are in the best shape we've been in uh, for a long time. With great owners, Justin, Ross and Danny in the management team and a group of players who are playing for the shirt and wearing the club crest with pride. It's never been better to be an Orient fan and long may that continue. We'll be back with episode number 163 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review. Uh, we've seen the listening figures and we haven't had that many review, as many reviews, so we know you're out there. Uh, if you listen on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify, add us to your favourites. Uh, subscribe to us whatever it is on that particular device uh, or application and that way you'll have all the podcasts as soon uh, as they're available so um, we've made it as easy as we possibly can to help you listen to us but there are some people that might not have these devices so uh, if you have a relative or friend or loved one who you think would like the podcast do help them out and we've also got a small selection of mugs available um, still um, we've got, we're have we at the last run of these now so it's £5 each now make a great stocking filler um, and um, yeah thanks to uh, to everyone that's so far that's bought one and also I forgot to say thanks to Philip who came and said hello to me at Theo's gang uh, Christmas party today and there was someone else whose name I didn't capture in a sort of goldy um, jumper uh, so thanks to everybody uh, for that as well and my thanks to you Absolute well done pleasure thank really, you for coming really on it. and giving up your Sunday evening for us so that is it um, thank you to everybody who's been listening we really appreciate that and for all the support yeah George thank you so much for coming on and we're going to play out this week with the uh, now well used tune rocking all over the world so have a good week everybody and thanks for listening up the O's <laughs>